Hi, this is Penny dropping in from the Valley Hub. This is a quick message to let you know that today's and most episodes contain conversations around mental health, which some listeners may find confronting. While we encourage you to lean into the conversation, we want to let you know that there are services you can reach out to if you're struggling. Available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can call Lifeline on 131114. Alternatively, speak to your healthcare professional. This podcast has been produced by The Valley Hub in conjunction with Mentally Healthy Nambaka Valley. Today, your hosts have recorded on Gumbangya country, and we acknowledge the great privilege it is to do so in the company of those elders present and emerging, while acknowledging the wisdom held by those past. This is a fantastic episode of Be A Better You, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing more about our guest today, James Lander. James is a man of many talents and he uses these to channel his natural creativity. This man though is more than his camera and cookware. He is a diamond forged by pain and pressure and he has such a story. I could go on, but who better to tell that story than the man himself? Let's jump into the episode. Welcome to another podcast of Be A Better You. This morning we have Matt Baker. Hi. We have Jonas. Hey, how are you? And myself. Today our special guest is James Lander. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome, James. Thanks for coming along and having a chat. We all see you on your social profiles and and uh, and everything, and we've seen you out and about working a few uh, in your cooking ventures and and taking some photos at concerts as well, but. Do you want to tell us about James? Thanks, Matt. Hey, guys. Really stoked to be here. My name is James. I'm a mid-north coast photographer and just, yeah, love, love getting around, mate, taking, taking as many photos and being as creative as I can. Uh, been doing quite a few gigs and events lately. Absolutely loving it and, and just really excited to, to keep getting amongst what the, the best that the mid-north coast has to offer. Yeah, cool, man. So... Obviously, we're here to talk today about generally we end up talking about our own personal struggles with our mental health and, and experiences that we've had. But why don't we start by, like, uh, tell us where you grew up and, and how you kind of came to be you. Uh, so I grew up in, I was born in Bundaberg, grew up in foster care and moved around quite a bit. I, I landed on the mid-north coast at uh, seven years old and lived with my wonderful auntie Robin just been an absolute rock for me and, yeah, moved, moved around quite a bit. I, I went to boarding school in Tamworth. I sort of bounced around back here on the mid-north coast as a teenager, lived in Brisbane on and off for a, a number of years, lived at Uluru, worked out there, uh, had some time in the wet Sundays and made my way back about seven or eight years ago and was was living in Bellinger and it was, it was quite quite a hectic, fun lifestyle but... Hectic or eclectic? <laughs> Mate, all of it. It, it, it. For anyone for anyone who lives in Bellingen, they'll all know it takes 45 minutes to uh, to get milk from the IGA. Just You've got to say hello to everyone and, and it's a wonderful, wonderful part of Bellingen. But for me and having having so much time from, from Uluru to the city, I, I like that anonymity and the, the quiet life. So the valley for me has just been a, a wonderful, wonderful place to find and, and call home. Yeah, cool. Cool. So moving around a little bit while you were younger, like 
I mean, I, I can only just imagine it. Like it, it would have been like changing schools, changing families, changing yeah, routine and all that kind of stuff. Do you think it, how did you, like I, I wouldn't even know where to start to cope with that. No, I think, neither. The, I think firstly, like it, it was all I knew and it, it was definitely my normal. Growing up and, and maturing and slowly and having having some wonderful relationships along the way, you, you start to learn that some of those things aren't normal and it does affect you in, in certain ways. And, and you, for me, I've, I've been really fortunate to have a lot of, lot of wonderful people in my corner and, and good support and uh, the Valley's certainly added to that for me. I think, yeah, it, it was obviously challenging, but you... You really don't understand the effects of that until you're an adult, I think. Do you reflect on those times often or...? Try not to as much anymore. Like, I, I think I really did. There was, there was a point when I, when I moved back to the mid-north coast from Brisbane, it was a lot of... I needed time for myself and a lot of time to reflect and grow up and, and just be, be accountable. I think I was probably quite reactive through that period in my life and definitely... Uh, a young aspiring chef and not necessarily being the most positive me I could be. It was, you know, a, a good point in my career, but anyone who knows what chefs can be like, it's not always, you know, the most positive communication and effective communication. I think there was a a lot I had to learn and a lot I had to sort of take on and just really, yeah, try and be more value-based rather than reactive and looking back now, you know, yes, I've had good people in my corner, but I didn't really know better. I knew I could be better. I just didn't really know how to at the time, I think. Yeah. Also, like, being a chef, like, the hours are hard, the hours are long. It also leads, like, a, a, to a, a very much a on and off sort of lifestyle. Like, there's always, like, drinks after the shift on a Friday, Saturday and, and that kind of thing. Like, did that play an effect on how, like... Your, your, your normal day-to-day runnings and sort of... Oh, it, de- it definitely takes a toll in the end. I think I was quite... Oh, I was probably cut out for it, to be honest. Like, I'd, I'd grown up partying hard, having a ball, and it, uh, yeah, I kind of... I went, I went to uni briefly after school and studied psychology, and then I just wasn't mature enough at the time, you know. I was having too much fun, too invested in, in good times and playing rugby and... It, uh, yeah, I had a ball and I've, I've got some great friends out of that experience, but I fell back in, like I'd, I was working in hospitality and ended up back there, did an apprenticeship, but I, yeah, definitely fell into the, the good times on the weekend after work and you're still backing up the next day and it just, it's, it's part of it, sadly. Is it just expected that, that that's how it is? I, th- I think it's changing, you know, with, with time and, and thankfully, um, now that I'm slowly making my way out of it and, and more into, you know, my creative pursuits, I think it's interesting looking at it where a lot of the, the problems in the industry are still there. It doesn't no matter where you go, you still see the same things. And it's, I think a lot of people that, you know, find themselves in hospitality after a long time get stuck and they are stuck in those ways. And it's, yeah. it's sad, but, yeah, the, the alcohol, the drugs, the late nights, the lack of family time, it, slightly warps your views on life sometimes and I think uh yeah that the more the more chefs that or more hospitality workers that actually you know get other hobbies outside of work I think they're 
better humans and, and better chefs in the end. Mm. I think, like, across the board in any industry, like, mm. if you, when you think about it, like, you're spending, like, between construction, between health workers, between, like, even office workers. Like, office workers, they'll do, like, an eight-hour shift in the city and, and then walk out and you've got the bar across the road. That kind of leads into one or two or three drinks and, and especially when it almost becomes your self-care well that that's where yes like that kind of that lifestyle does become yeah. your self-care but having external pursuits and passion projects that you can like put your time and effort towards outside of the the four walls of a of an establishment like i don't like I, i'm definitely one who likes to relax after a hard day's work or a long day's run or anything like that. So like when I was growing up, I used to work for Coles and, like, you'd work until 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and I'd get home to my share house and they're already kicking on. So what did you do? You know, I've got to start work at midday the next day. So you just went and went along with it and that was the lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, you know, speaking of share houses, I lived with two chefs for, for a few years in Brisbane. There was the three of us and definitely, yeah, we definitely had a lot of fun and partied hard. There wasn't much sleep, but, and we, I mean, we worked as hard as we partied, but in the end, you know, everyone was burnt out and frazzled and just not being, yeah, not being their best selves, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, finding those, for me, it was obviously photography. For, for others, you know, they all have their, their things, but... It just slowed me down and, and made me, you know, open my eyes and sort of be aware that there is other other avenues and I think that sort of photography gave me a bit more of a, a compassionate sort of view of the world. It was hospitality is just cutthroat, ruthless, can be absolutely brutal and, and super fast-paced and, and Photography can be that too, but oh, geez, do we do, we do, do we want to go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> it depends. It depends where you go with it. For me, it wasn't. You know, it's not a competitive thing, and it's coming at it with, you know, with a different mindset. Yeah, it's just it's all all bright and all shiny. You know, it's it's good fun. Um, so I was just wondering if we could um, have a bit of a chat about what life was like growing up before age of seven and and moving in with your auntie full time. Uh, so I lived, lived with a, there's a, there's a lot of memories that I, I don't have. I don't, I don't know if I've blocked them out or just, just was too young to remember. Um, there was certainly a lot of good. I don't, I don't really remember the bad. A bit like a disassociation. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it. I've, I've recently started seeing a psych and I guess as an adult being or having someone else removed from it who can just help you unpack a few things was it's been really <clears throat> really interesting and before the age of 7 my first memory was a wonderful family other than family my my grandparents were always around and having some wonderful families that I'm still in touch with and having that continuity for me as an adult looking back at it now I think that's really valuable I mean that they were stable experiences I think I writing an article for the hub recently I was doing a bit of research and Oh, I believe in Queensland at the time. I was born in Queensland, so I was under the, I think it was a ward of the state. You know, there's the foster children thing, but at the time that was the label. Before 1999, I can't remember the exact date, but I was under a very, you know, decades old piece of law where 
It was encouraged that the children were moved around quite regularly so they didn't form attachments and bonds with the carer. Well, not, not for that reason, but obviously that was part of it. And then thankfully the Children's Act in Queensland came in in 99 and had some basic pillars and, and standards of care for children, which uh, I think the one I remembered seeing, which I think would be really valuable for all the kids in care now, is that as, as much as they could, the parents were matched to the children. And I have a wonderful family that cared for me, I think from five till six or so, Gail and Chris, they, um, yeah, the, the most wonderful family. I, for me, I'm, you know, just so grateful to still have those relationships. Another, another family that looked after me, I think I was about two or three, the daughter found me on Facebook and reached out to see if I could come to the mum's 70th and wasn't able to make the party, but I did, um, did sneak up there and say good day and, yeah, it was re- really special and I think I'm just stoked that there is social media and those avenues for people to find each other because I think a lot of the, you know, a, lo- a lot of it is sort of held back or, you know, you're not encouraged to have that contact once it ceases. But I- in that, I think within foster care, every every child's situation is unique, you know, and mine and my, my sister's circumstance although you know from the same family our our journeys through care were so different and I guess the yeah both dealing with that now as adults and and having a or forming a really strong relationship when we we didn't grow up together like you know normal siblings I guess and uh yeah it's really interesting just working on those those relationships and working on yourself as an adult having all of that in mind see you say you say normal siblings, and I feel like oh, I'm one of those normal siblings. The idea or the thought of growing up as a foster child is so foreign mm. to me. Mm. Like I had mum, dad. I didn't move out or we didn't move homes until I decided to leave at the ripe old age of like 15. We were in the one house. I had the same parents. I had such a vanilla way of life and yet you still lead into your own yeah journeys it's interesting like for me I guess some of the the adult relationships that I've found myself in and you know they they come from or have come from that vanilla family I guess and and it's for me so attractive and so beautiful it's but it's Do do you search for that though no not at all but uh the for me, I actually find it hard in a lot of the experiences where it's all new to me and you, you yeah. just, you're sitting there going with the flow but just like, oh, wow, like is that how, you know, people can be in this situation or that's how it can work? Or is that how normal families work? Yeah, working? yeah, it's not always as exciting, you know, as, as you'd think but it's quite attractive, yeah. Yeah, right. So um, for all those people that don't really know a lot about it, attachment styles, do you want to... To explain, like your understanding of it, and I, yeah, I don't have an understanding. As a, yeah, as I said, I've recently started seeing a psych and just working on some things. Got a, I, I, I thought I was bipolar for years and got an ADHD diagnosis, which has just been absolutely life changing. And in what way, though? Just like, un- understanding. It, it wouldn't change your behaviours, would it? Uh, medication helps for sure. Yeah, right. Um, I think for me, the what I was perceiving as really highs and you know crushing lows, like the the highs is just 
or was super hyper focused and you know nine channels at once just and and not not achieving and I just felt like I was on a treadmill and then for me getting that diagnosis I guess was I remember actually bursting out laughing and um it's just like oh like is explains that, a lot is that it does so it like, like help you know, feel like explain a lot and understand yourself a bit better not initially like when when she when when we worked through it I think the uh it all just started to make sense, but yeah, I was just like, "Wow, like, is is that all?" Like, I thought it was a lot worse, and but yeah, I mean, for me, the lows was often around the not not achieving all the things that I thought I had to, you know, or ticking all the boxes that I'd set for the day because I was just trying to do too much at once, and it'd get me down, and then I wouldn't, you know, be keeping up with the housework, and that'd get me further down. Too and, many buckets open and not yeah, buckets. It's definitely the the buckets were either half empty or just filling over, you know. Yeah, it was, right. It was not not conducive to any real productivity, I think. So, yeah, so with, with the attachment styles, uh, chatting to the psych, finding out that or, or wanting to unpack further the attachment disorder and ringing, ringing Robin and, and discussing that. And she's like, you know, we've, we've known that forever. And I'm like, wow, like, okay, <laughs> like it's, it's new to me and... I think for anyone that I've dated, it's probably there's probably a few things that had you know just come to their mind and be able to they'd you know recognise certain things. But yeah, I don't really understand my own attachment styles. Well, there's there's four attachment styles. There's secure, which is the vast majority of people, and then there's uh, insecure, which goes off into two sections, which is ambivalent, like you don't really want relationships, and there's people that are anxious that are not quite sure of the security of their relationships and then you get a disorganised one, which is a combination of those two. Did they mention which no, attachment style uh, they no, thought you might I just, have? I reckon I'd definitely be the disorganised one, that. Okay. So it's a mixture of wanting relationships and then at the same time... Oh, for me, as soon as... Worried about them or...? As soon as it gets to the love bit, for me, like, I just... I'm so... I love the dating part. As soon as it gets heavy, I... I don't know, there's just a little bit in me that just goes... Ugh. And I don't know how to, to process. No, I, I'm learning how to process and just take the time to be able to process those things. But Do yeah. you think, is it, I don't know if this is out of line, do you think that that's come from being in the foster carers but being moved constantly? Definitely. You were never able to, to form those attachments so you don't get past I mean, I, I, that I love still, point? I guess that would definitely have a lot to do with it. I think for me I'm really, really grateful for my, my auntie Robin to actually, yeah, she was really, is really special and I think giving that to me, it's something I'd, I'd love to, love to foster kids one day and I think just to give that back and yeah. have that, you know, them know that you've been through and it is okay. Do you want to uh, explain what your journey's been like on the medical side of getting your diagnosis? It's been a, a been a long and slow one, mate. I think I'm not sure how many other young men out there can relate. I was have been really good over the years at going to the GP and getting the referral and not following up. I feel like that's every male. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I was quite fortunate, like the relationship I was in at the time, going going through that. I don't actually think I would have got to the diagnosis without that support. I. Every other time I've tried, I've definitely been single. And 
for anyone going through it, I, I found the from the referral to actually getting to the appointment, you know, it was a four month gap. For me, absolute torture and for the relationship, very testing. You know, we, we broke up shortly after it and I think, yeah, for me, just looking back, just so stoked that we were able to ride that out until we, we got there because I'm not sure if I would have. Yeah, it, it was a long, a long wait, but I think um, actually doing it and, and just post, you know, it's been a few months, probably four months now, and I'm just so disappointed it took me that long to get there. Not, not the wait, you know, you have to go through that. I wish there was some... I think we've spoken about how long it is between, like, your GP yeah, it, and any professional it was, three and half, it was three and a half months for me to get an appointment and then it just... Mm. Yeah, I don't... Well, the you, moment's you, gone. Yeah, you need it then. The moment's know. gone. You've missed. We, we had to write stuff down and, and have a lot of discussions. Yeah, it, it was quite challenging and I think for anyone going through that, just... just if you're not going to remember it or you think you'll be fine by the time you get there, you're still not fine. Like, you know, yes, you're okay, you're feeling level again, but those those problems still come back around. And I think for me, it's it's been a, a long a long journey of not always facing my problems and just having that you know courage to be to be vulnerable with with a doctor or with your partner and with yourself. It's funny where, you know, everyone's encouraged to talk, but I've, a lot of my friends, my male friends, you know, I've got some, some great male friends that we have wonderful conversations, but it's hard to, to always get people to open up or get the conversation, you know, to that point with, with other blokes I've found. And for me, it's all been the females in my life that have actually helped that journey most positively. I requested a, a female doctor because I just felt more comfortable in that empathetic way I guess um just knowing that I was going to go in I've been yeah I've got a, a lot of female cousins only a couple of few males in my family in my generation but you know surrounded by a lot of single mothers and a lot of wonderful female friends and it's just been a, a thing for me I guess where I feel more comfortable opening up and and just safer in that conversation I guess I can actually agree with that one, though, because in the shop with me, I find a lot of males seem to open up without even trying. Mm. And it might just be, I might I, I might ask the same question as one of their mates has asked them, but there's that, I guess, a connection of energy or something, and they just seem to open up. And I'm not doing anything different. I'm not doing saying anything different. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Like, I think I really admire watching women communicate and, and just the, the support and the encouraging mm's and ah's. I don't know. Like, and just mm. you can... You can <laughs> you, it, it, it's, it's weird, but it's encouraged. You know, you're just continue, continuing that conversation and there's the pause and the, the space for that conversation to, yeah. to develop. I know I've been guilty, especially in relationships and, and you know, just as as a male who just, it's not that you feel like you have to. So you, I think it's just your, your go-to is to, to try and fix the situation rather than just being there for them. And a lot of the times, I think if you're in a, in a bad headspace, you just want someone to listen. 
And never knowing when to hug. That's the, uh, that's the one that I feel like I want to, <laughs> want to get better at. It's, um, you start to listen and I just want to hug. Oh, gosh, missed it, you know. Like, <laughs> I thought we were having a deep conversation. But, um, yeah, I think, I think for me, just wanting to be, to be present, you know, with myself and with, with my family and friends and those around me to actually... You know, if if my any of my male friends, I think, know that I'm I'm certainly one that's there for them, but just reach out. Like it's we we all hear it, but I think I think if you don't, if it, the people that you're reaching out to aren't receiving it, reach out to someone else. Mm. Do you think that um when you were at boarding school, you weren't able to play out that you know supportive relationship, being surrounded by males oh, all the time? Just the most. I, I love it. I, I learn a lot. Uh, a lot about myself a lot about men a lot about society in good and bad ways but just such a hyper masculine environment I think a lot of the and I hope it's changed I'm not sure you know the world's evolving quite quickly in in wonderful ways but I'm sure that environment would have to change but in the you know how much do football clubs change you still have that sort of pack behavior and, and just that hyper masculine mentality where People are trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know. Like I, I was a very sporty boy growing up and, and I love it. it uh, I still enjoy it. But I guess hospitality kind of got me away from it and being able to, oh, like I remember cooking a few events and, and actually cooking for the end of year football trips. And, you know, I, I still love watching a game of footy, but I grew up playing it and, and in those locker room environments where... There's, there's behaviours happening or things being said and I, I certainly I wouldn't want to not put my hand up and say I was a part of that. I think growing up and looking back and actually having to be accountable for some of your behaviours and then just, uh, yeah, recognising that that's not who you are and who you want to be. I think boarding school, yeah, certainly taught me a lot, gave me some good connections. One of my, my you know, closest mentors was from there and we're still in touch regularly and that's where I feel like creative, you know, creativity for me just unlocked a whole more compassionate sort of empathetic like view of the world rather than this competitive masculine just having to win at all costs mentality. I find that you really express yourself well through your passion projects and the things that you're doing now. Is that the only thing that you do to look after your, your mental health or is there any other things you want to let us know that you get up to? Uh, for me, I don't have much spare time to get up to much else at the moment. I think um, I definitely take life a lot slower, you know, than, than I was. Creativity for me, it, you know, it's, it's certainly as cliche as it is, it's just not work. If it ever gets to that level, I, I hope I've found something else I enjoy just as much, you know, to counteract that. But yeah, yeah. It's for me. I think the the passion project sort of it's it's just my life now, and it actually you know does make me happy. So I just want to keep doing it as much as I can. Yeah, cool. Awesome. I really love that. Um. So have you uh, built a good support network around you now? I think I always had one. It was just recognizing you know who who those people were, and and often for me, I've probably reached out to the wrong people. I definitely have, you know, certain people for certain things now and and I'm aware of 
you know, uh, new people pop up, but I think for me there's certain people who can't because of their own past traumas and experiences necessarily be there for everything. And that's okay, you know. And I, I, I find I'm the person that, you know, does seem to be a bit of a sponge for some of my mates too because they feel like you've, you must have dealt with enough to, to be able to take some on and I certainly can. But, yeah, I think for me the support network I've got, I'm, I'm just stoked that, they are there for me and they are present and they are diverse. It's, yeah, I'm really, really lucky to have them. How do you, if you've been talking to a mate and they've unloaded a whole heap of stuff, how do you then not take that on so that it affects you negatively? Um, I think for me it's everything's just an opportunity to learn and, and grow. I can often see traits in themselves you know I've for a long time had a had a bad relationship with alcohol and and really had to get better at that and I find it funny with you know a lot of my well it's not funny at all actually it's bloody tragic but to to often to get a few of your friends to open up it often takes a lot of beers yeah and, and it's not something that I is that because it takes a wall down there I guess, lose I guess. A little bit of edge. Yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure. For me, it was just a, a bit of a, oh, I don't know, if it was a coping mechanism. It was just a, from, from work to fun, it was just always there. But yeah, chatting to other mates, it always just seemed to take a lot of alcohol for those walls to come down and the conversations to, to get there. But then, like, if you look at what alcohol does in terms of its. Yeah, reduces your inhibition, lowers your anxiety, like it um, just a slow social lubricant. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's a depressant in itself though, isn't it? Yeah. So it can have the opposite effect. Mm, yeah. But then like you, there's like medication that is prescribed that works in a similar sort of way, like to but like Obviously, when you take it, there's a prolonged effect. It releases in different ways and over the period of time, whereas, like, I suppose having two or three beers for someone, that was the way that they would get themselves through that Yeah, and I mean, part of the day. It's you know interesting because I, mean? I certainly prefer taking, and, and I guess you'd know this with the weddings, you know, people can be great fun uh, to photograph after a few drinks. It's, mm. um, it's certainly, yeah... They definitely, definitely lower the inhibitions and start to loosen up and have a bit of fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, f- I'd much prefer to you know, <coughs> go to a cafe and, and have a coffee, mm. you know, grab lunch. I'm not waking up tired and feeling hungover and, you know, I can still go and get about the day. And, yeah, I, I, I just think I'd like to have those, you know, or at least have my friends feel comfortable they can come to me and not have it have to revolve around alcohol to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I just, I'm not saying I'm uh, going alcohol-free, but, yeah, it's, I think I'd rather just have fun nights, you know. It doesn't have to get deep after drinks, and I've certainly been guilty of it in the past, but I know for me that's something that, you know, has helped me, yeah, just, just become a bit of a better me and, you know, developing a healthier relationship with, you know, everything in my life, whether it's alcohol or, or my friends and family. What would you say, like at this point in time, what the biggest life lesson that you've had so far? There's lots, but oh. I, think, I think, mate, just having, having 
having the guts to have a crack and and having the courage to fail. I, yeah, it's, you know. That's big. Whether it's personally or professionally, I don't really look at it as failure. I just see it as an opportunity to get better and, and learn and grow and, you know, whether it, yeah, personally, professionally, it's just I I wouldn't be the person or in the position I'm in today without having a crack and failing a number of times. Yeah. But still recognising when the successes are there because... The little wins. Yeah, you, you've got to... You've got to celebrate them and it's um, – but, yeah, have, have the guts to fail. Cool. All right. Well, James, really appreciate you coming in today and, and sharing your story and sharing the positive the, the positive feeling. Like I, I, this is the first time I've, we've, we've caught up and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Yeah, and, I'd love to. Love and, to. Um, yeah, do that lunch and a coffee. And, it's and, not nice to meet everyone in, behind the socials. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And be a better you.